Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. Today, we are bringing to an end the Apocalypse House series. Some of you are like, aww. Some of you are like, finally. Oh, my gosh. I'm kind of in between, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> and it's, I, this is part 10, but it's actually the 11th week that I've talked about this. All right, that's a long time to talk about something. 11 weeks. I hope that it's helped you. Um, I hope that it's broken off fear of the apocalypse. And maybe if you had pride, it broke through some pride. And today, we're going to end it on a bang here. We're going to hit the mark, so to speak, the mark of the beast. We're going to talk about the mark of the beast. And I'm not going to be gentle with you because I don't have time, okay? So I'm going to be as gentle as I can. But here's the statement I'm going to submit to you. And I need you to understand and hear every word of this sentence. Pauses included because they're there for effect, all right? The pauses are there for you to, to help you think. All right, to help you think through it. Here's what I'd like to submit to you in humility today. I do not believe the mark of the beast is coming. I believe it's already here. Do not believe it's coming. I believe it is already among us. I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes defending that statement. See you? Okay? All right. Just 30 minutes. So... I can be wrong for 30 minutes. You can endure till the end and you shall be saved. All right. Like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. And I'm going to show you why. Okay. We good. I say this stuff. I made a YouTube video with that. You know, Mark of the Beast isn't coming. It's already here. I made a lot of frenemies online friends because they, they follow me everywhere. They, they listen to my posts. They read everything I say and then they write me messages, you know? So anyway, if you want to be, um, you know, if you don't talk about this stuff on YouTube, if you don't want frenemies, that's just letting you ha know about that. All right. YouTube's a crazy place. Let me remind you of a couple of things that the book of Revelation is a vision that John had. Right. Say a vision. And it was a vision into the heavenly realm. Right. The eternal realm. Right. He saw into the heavens and there's multiple layers to that. But the reason I'm pointing that out is because heaven, the eternal realm, is not within the constructs of time. Amen? Right? Let's just, just think through this logically. Does heaven have a time, chronological timeline like we have on earth? Yes or no? No, it does not. Heaven is outside, beyond, and above. It's God created time. He's above it. He's sovereign over time. The heavenly realm itself is not bound by our time operations. Are you with me? So the question that's often asked when we approach things like the mark of the beast or the scrolls or the trumpets or the dragon or the whatever in the book of Revelation is the question often asked is, when are these things going to happen? You know, it's coming. When is going to happen? The signs, we can read the signs, right? I think that's a lower question. Honestly, I think it's an obsolete question when it comes to the truth that John had a vision into the no time zone. Hello? So it's a little bit of a, it breaks down pretty easy if you think about it, right? So I am submitting to you again and suggesting we ask, where are these things happening, right? Meaning what realm are they happening in, okay? 
just reminding you, I've talked about this in this series, but I'm bringing you back to that point. Because if we look at it chronologically, we get some real issues, even in the context or the pre-context of the Mark of the Beast. Okay? So the Mark of the Beast is mentioned at first in chapter 13 of Revelation. But chapter 12 talks about some stuff. We're going to just bring it into the context for you. So I'm going to do a paraphrase overview here for you. Chapter 12 talks about a woman clothed in the sun that's opposed by a dragon who sweeps a third of the stars out of the sky, and there's a battle that breaks out, and he's cast down to the earth. Now, the woman clothed in the sun is absolutely, in my opinion, I'm submitting to you, a picture of the bride of Christ. A woman clothed in the sun. Hello? A woman wearing her bridal garments that she got from the bridegroom king. He paid for it. It's the cloak of righteousness. Are you with me? Now, it says that she's opposed by this dragon. The dragon sweeps a third of the stars out of the sky with its tail, and then it is cast down to the earth after a war breaks out. Now, does that sound familiar? Yeah, well, that's the accuser who is cast down to the earth for opposing God, and he took a third of the heavenly host with him. Are you with me? All right, so this is chapter 12 where this happened. <laughs> chapter 13 is where the mark talks about. So chronologically, this kind of gets weird because Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, that Satan, he saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. You remember that? Past tense. We know from 1 Peter 5, 8 that the devil is roaming about on the earth looking for whom he may devour, right? By the way, that's a really bad hunting strategy. Devils that roam about roaring, actually, they're roaring because they got no teeth. All they can do is intimidate. A lion with teeth lies quietly. A lion with no teeth, with no ability to actually get you, has to scare you. So he's either a really stupid hunter, which the Bible doesn't say. It says he's clever. Our enemy is, our adversary is clever. Or he's doing it on purpose because he knows if he actually gets to you, it's just gums. Om, nom, nom. <laughs> Listen, man, we got a really big devil and a tiny God in the church often. Just trying to set your perspective right. We got a really big God and the devil fits right under this heel right here. That's where he lives. My foot is not that big, all right? Just saying. <laughs> so that's 1 Peter 5, 8. We know from the story of Job that the enemy is on the earth already, right? Are you with me? And he says, when God says, where did you come from? I come from the earth, roaming to and fro the earth. We know that all the way back to the garden that the enemy was in the garden, right? Right? So think with me here. If we go, oh, yeah, well, the beast is thrown down. And then the mark happens. Okay, well, the beast isn't thrown down, the, or the dragon isn't thrown down, sorry. The adversary isn't thrown down until the scroll opens, the creatures, the letters, the lamps. Like, a lot has happened up to now. Are you getting my point? If we lay this out chronologically, it's like a very strange time for these things to happen. Shouldn't this have happened at the beginning of the book? If this is a chronological timeline? Are you with me? Because this is obviously... Speaking of the adversary being cast down to the earth, out of heaven for opposing God, setting him, wanting to set himself in the place of God. Are you with me? All right. I know this is weird because I'm like jumping into chapter 12. But if you think with me over the course of this series, we've been walking through these chapters. If you read the whole book all the way through, it's a weird place for that to happen if this is chronological. I submit to you, it's not about when are these things happening. It's where. So these things are all the context for the beast 
coming out of the sea, and then another beast coming out of the ground. Did you know there's two? There's two beasts. One that comes out of the sea, one comes out of the ground. Could it be? Could it be that these things are already current in the spirit realm and are manifesting in the natural at a different times and in different ways? Could it be that all these things are already current in the spirit realm and they're manifesting at different times and in different ways? They're outside of time. We're inside of time. It's chronological for us, but it's not for them. Are you with me? Could it be? Anybody? You with me? Okay, yeah. We'll see. Chapter 13 of Revelation is where it speaks of the two beasts. Now, here's what's interesting. One comes out of the sea, and one comes out of the earth. What are humans made of? Water and dirt. These two beasts come out of the water and the earth. You ever seen somebody super stressed out and under pressure? What comes out of their water and their dirt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mark of the beast is not coming. It's already here. Let's read Revelation 13, 15 through 18. This is talking about the second beast. It says it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave to be marked. Say marked. On the right hand or the forehead. Say the right hand or the forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. What is the mark? It's the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Say wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is 666. It says it plain out that this is talking about man, oh man, oh man. Right there. Water and dirt. Number of man. 666. Why the right hand on the forehead? I've mentioned this many times in this series because I couldn't help myself. But the right hand is a biblical picture for working, putting your hand to the plow. The ways of God, his ways are mighty. His right hand proves all his ways, right? So your right hand could be a picture, maybe, of the way you are, the way you act, the way you work. The forehead could be a picture of the way you think. Just maybe, if this is the unveiling of Jesus written in sign language to the loving servants of God, that's part one of this series, I know, like 13 weeks ago, trying to remember, yeah, if these are all sign language things, which the angel say, it says the angel signified it to John, symbol form. What, why the right hand and the forehead? Just go with me here. Just consider it for a second that these are symbols of the ways of man and the thoughts of man. Just maybe. And you know what? You don't have to take my opinion for this. You don't have to take my word for it. I actually tell you never to do that. But I'm going to read you straight out of Vine's New Testament dictionary. These, this is a Bible dictionary, okay? The word for mark is karagma. In Vine's New Testament, it says mark or stamp. It means to engrave. We have one that says Vine's New Testament dictionary, karagma. Mark or stamp to engrave. And it says akin to character. It should be right after the, the verse there. There it is, yeah. Marker stamp to engrave, akin to character. That's not my opinion. That's the Bible dictionary, guys. The scholar said this word means it's 
akin to character. Uh-huh. Of a statue or similar representation, but it's more than a resemblance. I directly copied and pasted this, by the way. Okay. It's of the descendants of Adam as bearing his image. And each is a representation derived from the prototype. So there's a prototype, the beast, and then a representation of the beast. That's what this word karagma means. Now, if you don't know about the descendants of the first Adam and last Adam, that language, I'm going to quickly mention 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 49 says, it is written, the first man became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's Jesus. Okay, but it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As the, was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And is the man as a, is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust in our birth, you're born in the Adam, right? We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This image is the, is the kinship there, the connection. So this word, karagma, has all of that in it. This image, character, nature, likeness thing. A representation of the prototype. Not a resemblance, a representation of the prototype. Are you with me? Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> it is quiet. Helps word studies. Another dictionary says, this, is, this word karagma is properly an engraving, an etching, but figuratively, a mark providing undeniable identification, like a symbol giving irrefutable connection between parties. Irrefutable connection between parties. Now, this word karagma, the Greek root word, is our word character. The root word here of the word mark is where we get the word character from. This is not the mark of the beast. This is the character markings of the beast. Okay. It's actually used in Hebrews 1.3. Speaking of Jesus, it says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprints of his nature. That's the word character, exact imprint. Same Greek root word. That's talking of Jesus speaking of the image of God, right? The exact imprint of his nature. Are you with me? Is this making sense? This is why it is the number 666. It says, let this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. What does it mean to calculate? Do the math here. <laughs> Do the math. Think about it. It is the number of a man. And his number is 666. Wisdom and understanding would say that these are the character markings of the beast on your spirit, soul, and body. You are a triune being with a spirit, soul, and body. Are you with me? And this is your spirit, soul, and body acting beastly. Six is the number of man because man was created on the sixth day. Are you with me? So the forehead, the thoughts of man, the hand, the ways of man, man, oh man, oh man. Proverbs 4.12 says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its way is the end to death. The mark of the beast is not coming, y'all. It's already here. 
Those whose spirit have yet to be revived by the spirit of Christ. Those whose souls have yet to receive salvation. And those whose bodies are still an instrument of sin. These are carrying the mark of the beast right now. I'd submit to you that you were born with it. <laughs> you were born with the mark of the beast in the line of Adam. Man in his spirit, soul, and body disconnected from God. And that's why you must be born again. Not of the dust, but of the man of dust, but of the man of heaven. Are you with me? And when you're born again, you get the mark of Christ. Hallelujah. Right? That mark gets removed and you get the mark of Christ. It says there are marks so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, right? This is one of my opponent's retort. This is what they say. Well, if that's true, well, you know, what about buying or selling in the marketplace? Well, those who don't carry the mark are not allowed to engage in trade of the marketplace. They don't carry the mark. They can't trade in the marketplace. <laughs> Does anyone hear what I'm saying? They're not allowed to do business unless they carry the character of the beast. Let me help you. If you don't think like us, act like us, you can't be with us. The world will not let you buy or sell unless you think like them, act like them. You're like, that doesn't happen. That's not true. It's happening. It's called cancel culture. <laughs> it's, cancel culture is one manifestation of a very present spiritual reality called the mark of the beast. I told you it's present in the spirit and manifesting at different times and in different ways. This is one way it's manifesting. Oh, you think you think that my actions are wicked? You think my ways are evil? Canceled. My lifestyle doesn't align with your religion? Canceled. Hello? Oh, you think that a man is a man because of genetics? Canceled. You think that an adult shouldn't be able to do perverse things with a child? canceled. This is very real stuff. I'm talking to you right now. The political elite. I don't mind. I am on every list. I don't care. So don't be afraid for me. The political elite is full of pedophilia and bestiality. They are full of nasty perversion. Not all of them, but most of them. So those in power are beastly in the way they think and act. They do anything they can to get to the top. House of Cards, I watched it. It's probably not far off. <laughs> I don't recommend that outright because it's got nasty stuff in it. But it talks about political movement. It's a social commentary. I think it's very revealing. Hallelujah. I do this for me, not for you. Hallelujah. He just talked about the political elite. Oh, no. Bro, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Come at me. I don't care. I don't care. Cancel culture is just one manifestation of what I'm talking about. Not able to buy or sell in the marketplace. These are all pictures. Are you with me? Okay. There's further consequences of the mark because it talks about in Revelation 14, 9 through 11, it says another angel, a third. This is three out of three angels. Follow them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured out full strength into the cup of his anger, anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. 
You ever heard of someone saying, I am God, I am a God unto myself? That's self-worship. Right? That's happening. All paganism has that logical conclusion that they are a God unto themselves. That's the truth of paganism. Paganism being other religions. So, why does it say those who receive a mark? You might go, see, you can receive it. Yeah, well, I looked up that word. Again, not my opinion. It's receive, and the Greek is lambano, and it means actively lay hold of, or take, or receive. Properly to lay hold of by aggressively, actively accepting what is available or offered. The emphasis here, except with initiative, emphasis, the volition, assertiveness of the receiver. So it's like, okay, don't take the mark. No, don't embrace the Adam life. Are you with me? Those who lay hold of it. Listen, I'll tell you who they are. They're those who say, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I was born this way. This is who I am. This is how I was raised. Don't get in front of me in traffic because I will run you off the road. This is who I am. I'm being a little funny because some of that sounds like you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, those who do not have salvation carry the mark, but those who embrace it, those who lay hold of it aggressively, these will experience God's wrath and have no rest day or night because they're rejecting the mark of Christ. They're rejecting the lordship of Jesus, and they're saying, I am Lord. That's what it means to take the mark, receive the mark. Anyone who actively lay holds of the character of the beast is choosing to embrace the Adam life. It's choosing to say, I was born this way. I was raised this way. It's, and not giving your life away to Jesus, right? It's refusing to worship God and walk in his ways by embracing the character, the mark of the beast. The wrath of God, by the way, was poured out on Jesus, who is God. Let me help you right now. God took his wrath against sin and poured it out on himself in the person of the son. Let me say that again, because this is, I get in trouble for this, and it's fun, because people don't read their Bibles, and that's fine. God took his wrath that he was pouring out against sin. It says his wrath was breaking out against sin. His wrath was not breaking out against people. It's breaking out against sin. He hates sin. Okay? He doesn't hate you. He hates sin. Are you with me? That's Romans chapter 1. It says his wrath is breaking out against sin. It might be chapter 2. It's in Romans somewhere. Read the whole book. You'll find it. It's good for you. So he took his wrath that was breaking out against sin and poured it on himself in the person of the son. God was on the cross in the person of the son. Jesus is God. Amen. We got all these weird stuff about God looking away. No, how can God look away? God was on the cross. God had a front row seat. Okay. Okay. So the only way you will experience the wrath of God is if you pay for your own sins. Are you with me? If you believe in Jesus, then you receive his gift of his sacrifice and he rescues you from your sins. So it stands to reason that those who do not believe in Jesus also carry and lay hold of the mark of the beast. Since it is those who carry and lay hold of the mark of the beast that receive God's wrath and have no rest day or night. Are you with me? And right after that, it says, this is a call for endurance in the saints. And people have taken that and say, see, the saints need to endure and not take the mark. No, the saints need to endure those who have taken the mark. Come on. I mean, just 
It just said it. I was here last week. The wild beasts, all right? Remember that? Anybody hear me last week? Paul said, I fought wild beasts at Ephesus. He's not talking about lions, tigers, and bears. He's talking about people who act like the beast, who carry the mark. Come on. These things take wisdom and understanding. The mark of the beast is not coming. It's already here. And there are those who conquer the beast. Let's just keep reading because it gets better. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, no, don't take the mark. Oh, don't lay hold of the Adam life. And in fact, he's removed the Adam life for you. So there's nothing to grasp anyway. It's only deception that you can lay hold of the Adam life. You can only be deceived into thinking you're taking the mark. It's not a microchip. It's acting like an idiot. It's being a jerk to the people you're supposed to heal. It's being impatient to those who are traumatized. You can't even see their trauma because you are so self-centered. But there are those who have conquered the beast. Revelation 15, 2. It says, I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name. Standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. Who are those? Those are the worshipers of God. They don't worship self. They worship the Lord. How did they conquer? I can tell you it wasn't their fault. Jesus gave them the victory. We're only conquerors because he conquered. It's not anything you do. It's not you refusing the mark that makes you a conqueror. It's you receiving the Lord and his character that marks you from the inside out so that you can walk in his ways and think his thoughts. There is a logical conclusion to the entire idea of saying, saints, don't take the mark. Don't get that chip. Don't go to Disney with that wristband. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, the devil knows what you're afraid of. And if he's smart, he'll use what you're afraid of to drive you deeper into fear. Because, oh, they all think it's going to be like a chip or something. Huh? And the devil goes, hey, let's put it in someone's head to make a chip. Yeah, I'm not even saying that word on this microphone. I know my limits. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, me and John Brown just having a moment. Anyway, it's important that we understand the logical conclusion of that. You know what it is? It says, I am the one who has the final say about whether I am victorious in Christ or not. <clears throat> Let me help you. There's no part of you that saved you. You're like, wait a minute, but I had to say yes. Uh-huh, okay. Are you sitting in a chair? Yes or no? How hard was that? You want to take credit for that yes just now? Well, we have to say yes. Yes, it takes belief, absolutely. But that doesn't re remit payment. That doesn't mean that you actually conquer anything. You receive his victory. You receive what he conquered. You receive his life. Are you with me? Okay. So let me just tie a bow on this series real quick, because this is the end. This is the end. It's going to be a book. Don't worry. I'll write more in the book about the other stuff. You know, the white horse and all that. Stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll write it eventually. But this will be a book. Don't worry. I'm not going to spend the rest of my days in this series because I feel released. On Friday, I felt like the Lord released me from continuing the series. Like it ended on the mark. I'm like, all right, I'll hit the mark. It's like, yeah, hit the mark. I'm like, okay, good. Feel good about it. And I hope this has been helpful to you because I really do want to break you out of fear of the end times.
My hope is that by listening to this series, you have considered it from a new angle, and those things you're afraid of, now you can approach and say, if this is the unveiling of Jesus, I want it, all right? Hopefully, if you had pride thinking you knew everything there was to know about this book, I gave you some things to consider that you might not have ever heard before. Has one of those two things happened for you? Yes or no? You've been, okay, good. Good. Mission accomplished. My whole thread that runs through this entire series can be summed up in one statement, okay? On the end times, on the book of Revelation, on the maturity of the saints, the four living creatures, the seven sealed scroll, everything. A lamp stands, his labor amongst the lampstand, the ascended Christ within his church, all that stuff can be summed up in one statement right here. Jesus is going to come through us before he comes to us. Jesus is going to come through his church before he comes back to his church. It's going to take a glorious bride to bring the bridegroom back. A bride who has made herself ready. Jesus is going to come through his born-again bride before he comes to those he glorified. So, I'm not saying, because we have a long way to go, it's going to take a long time. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, let's hasten the day of the Lord by getting with the program. <laughs> and stop shadow boxing with the enemy and freaking out about chips and... I'm going to say it, John, vaccines and all that. And stop, stop freaking out about the flavor of the month that the devil is feeding you. Okay? And say, Lord, is there anywhere that I'm deceived into acting like that beast that I'm not? <laughs> is there any part of me that's acting unlike me? Because, Jesus, I know you want to come through me before you come to me. You want to come through your body before you come back to your body. Jesus is coming forth in us before he comes back for us. He's coming forth in us before he comes back for us. This is the truth. This is how the apocalypse is going to happen. This is how he's going to come through his church. The church is going to make herself ready. The bride of Christ is going to rise up into the truth of who she is. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.